it, it's like wrangling cats with you three, I swear. Okay. Transformers Chronicles, The Marvel Years. Hello and welcome back to Transformers Chronicles. I am Delvin, aka The Dark Web, and in case you're new to the show, welcome. And let me tell you what this thing's all about. We're going on a wild, crazy ride, chronicling the awesome, wacky, and yes, sometimes corny world of Marvel's comics, The Transformers. But I will not be going at it alone. No, sir. No, ma'am. We will start with the relative novice. I mean, he was a novice, but then he's read now, you know, 38 Transformers comic books. So he's a relative novice. Uh, he is the founder of the Long Box Crusade. His name is Pat Sampson, a.k.a. DJ Christatos. Welcome to the show, Pat. Uh, hello, Delvin. I am a novice. This is Pat's other brother, Pat, with a double T. Oh, Pat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So mm. I am a novice to the Transformers. Pat asked me to stand in for him. Okay. Well, uh, you might I like be... this guy. We should make him the host. <laughs> Him? The host? The guy that just showed up. I think we should make him the host. He's got obvious leadership qualities. Yep, that's good. Well, let's... We we are jumping a, a bit. Uh, welcome to the show, Pat. Uh, we will move on to the lesser half of Mary watching cartoons um, and any other MWC-related podcast that, that they come up with. His name is Jonathan Schaefer Haynes. Oh, wait. Did I did I say that he was our Transformers expert as well? Because he is. He's that too. Uh, his name's Jonathan Schaefer Haynes. Welcome to the show, John. Hello, Delvin. Hello, Hi, John. Pat. <laughs> How are you, folks? Hello, John. It is nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> Hi there, Delvin. Hey, hey there, man. How you doing? It's nice to see you. I'm just uh, struggling with you mentioned while we were off the air that talking to me is like wrangling cats. Well, wrangling cats is like wrangling cats as Cisco here is wants to be part of the show. Hi there. Ah, yeah, it's uh, great. It's going to be nice. The headmasters are here. Uh, mm-hmm. We meet Spike as we talk about. This one's going to be fun to talk about. Um, been, I'm on vacation from college for winter break, but that ends at the beginning of next week. So I guess I got this last week to party. So I'm starting with covering Transformers 38 because what could be more fun than that? I mean, I'm biased, but I think that you could not possibly have started in a better place. I agree. Party on, John. Party on, Delvin. Party on, Patit. <laughs> and with that, we will go to the greater half of MWC-related podcasts. Her name is Maggie Schaefer Haynes. Hello there, Maggie. How are you doing this evening? Hello. Uh, doing all right. We're slowly trudging our way through the Midwest uh, winter. Could be worse. It rained today. Yeah, it, was, it was bizarre. <laughs> veritable heat wave today. It was yeah. almost 40 degrees. And rainy. It was crazy. My goodness. It was yeah. It was in the 50s here in Charlotte. And, um, mm. and I was just talking with somebody heading out of uh, jujitsu practice today. And I'm like, yep, I'm about ready for this crap to be over yeah. yeah. And you're talking about relative heat wave in the 40s. My oh, it wasn't any fun. It was slick as goose grease, as they say. Yeah, mm. it was. Yeah, it's not great. Gotcha. So, uh, Pat, Tita, are, are, where are you from? Are you from Wisconsin like like your brother, Pat? Well, well, yeah, of course I am from 
the same mother of my brother, Pat. So I'm originally from Wisconsin, but I had moved, um, you know, just completely opposite. I had to go to college, you know, and mm. so I went far, far away. And it was hard to get you know, people <laughs> to remember me. Yep. Understood. Understood. Yeah. All right. Gotcha. Uh, I'm sorry, Maggie. I, I kind of interrupted. Was there anything else that you would like to add? I had a question for you. Last Did episode, you, you talked about uh, your dressage and mm-hmm. I was wondering, I was wondering how that was going. Uh, well, thank you for asking. It's a work in progress. Uh, I haven't consistently ridden since I was, well, since before I, I had my really bad fall and busted my arm. Uh, so since I was about 16, so it's been a good 17 years since I've mm-hmm. ridden and it shows, uh, but I'm working, uh, like I'm doing exercise, like 20 minutes of cardio, like hit kind of stuff pretty much every day. And I go out to the barn and ride twice a week, um, which is part of the reason why I really want the winter to be over with. It's very cold and icy out of the barn, but mm-hmm. it's coming along. Um, I get to start taking my first proper lessons next month, which is super exciting. And I did a little research into some of the problems that I've been having with my riding that I think are going to help. And I get to go out in a couple of days next and I'm looking forward to it. And it's exciting. It's a good time. It's just, I'm one of those people that has a really hard time at the beginning of new things. I want to be good at something right away. And that's always been a problem of mine. My, like when I was a kid, my mom's like, well, honey, that's why they call it soccer practice. You have to practice mm-hmm. it, you know? And so I'm, I'm easily frustrated at the beginning of something, but it's, it's going to work out. It's going to pay off. I'm working hard at it and I'm sticking with it. Um, and it's, I'm enjoying myself. Yeah, Maggie also wanted to be the Transformers expert after reading her first Transformers comic too. Not true. Yeah, but <laughs> Not you have true. to you have to read at least, you know, 38 or so. Well, here's yeah. me sitting thinking like, "Wow, is this issue 38? This came out on the 38th of March." How ironic is that? And then I'm like, wait, no, that's that's not a thing. <laughs> There's two things. But it says 38 and then March, and so I thought it was a date, and that no, no. Lousy smart weather. Yeah. <laughs> so that's oh, yeah. what I'm so, doing. <laughs> March 38th. That's, that's, um, I got nothing for that. Uh, but, you know, it, it does take you a while to get, to get more acclimated to, you know, you have to start at the novice level to become an expert like Pat. Pat yep. is at 38. And so mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. is like, you know, a little bit more than a novice now, but Pat's a t- is not as and he like I said is this is book one for him so we're gonna have to go new with him and yeah take it <laughs> easy Autobots, Decepticons two different forces yeah don't, don't worry yeah. we'll get you up to speed Pat man this uh, would be a weird one to start with yeah <laughs> they all would be in one way or the other <laughs> before I before I forget I, I have to take a minute or so to give praise to Mr. Jose Delbo and and I will tell the listening audience, why oh, yeah. we talked about uh, Jose or Jose just came onto the book and Transformers 37. And we were like, oh, yeah, he has cool stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, he has cool stuff. And and I reached out. And as it turns out, Jose Delbo is still with us alive and well. He is 89 years old. So, the you know, the man is up there in age and but he has a Twitter account and he does mostly artwork for NFTs and stuff like that. So if you are in you know, the money making business. I would still I would reach out and maybe get some high quality artwork from the man. I just have to reach out and show appreciation for him. And um, just as a result of doing that, 
Uh, he returned back with a cover for Transformers issue 48, uh, which was fan-freaking-tastic. Oh, my goodness. There is a picture of Megatron there looking what? triumphant. There, I know. I, I, well, Megatron was Whoa. returning. So, I mean, that's a spoiler coming up. I mean, we're, we're 10 know. issues away. 10 issues away. So, like, maybe if we're hauling and have a great year we will get towards that towards the end of the year back when it's cold again uh and like so and he was shooting or looks like optimus prime i love that it is one of my favorite covers of the entire run as i remember that is also one of the most it it does not that cover does not reach uh Maggie's quality for covers in that it's it's like the mm. most misleading cover you will yeah. ever see in um. this entire run. I will say. So <laughs> for a second, I was like, so "Why are you showing that? You're spoiled." Oh wait, no, you're not. Got a strike <laughs> against it already, and no. I'm not yeah. even. Seen. It's a wonderful cover. I'm sure it is. Sure. Yeah, yeah. The the cover is wonderful, and my respect for uh, Mr. Delbo has just grown even higher than it already was. I am super appreciative of him for that. And I will absolutely cherish uh, that artwork uh, and will keep it for a very, very long time. So I just wanted to say thank you. That was a really cool thing uh, that happened to me. And uh, and only reason it happened is because a very awesome man and his nephew, Nick, um, was returned it. And so, so I just want to say thank you for that. <laughs> And so uh, let's see, my thanks aside and Maggie's dressage and John's school break and Pat new to the show. I guess we can begin after this boilerplate that says the purpose of this podcast will be tackling all of Marvel's Transformers comics in order, starting with issue one and working our way to the series end at issue 80. We will answer any questions that are brought up to the best of our ability and see how these books that we loved as a kid hold up to our eyes as an adult now. This podcast is guaranteed to be, you guessed it, more than meets the eye. So, John, Maggie, Patita, let's see what happens when the Headmasters arrive on planet Earth. Both factions of them, by the way. Right after the promo break. The Transformers will return after these messages. In a world filled with movie-themed podcasts, thousands speak their minds, shouting their opinions into the void. Into this terrifying world of sound and noise, a new podcast about movies dares to raise its head. Appearing on the Longbox Crusade Network, in association with Jeff and Eric Present, it is the era of monthly Monday movie muckabout. Listen as people are challenged to see films that they have missed or failed to see. Hear their new appreciation for films from years past. Experience the discussions of film fans. Is the world ready for monthly Monday movie muckabout? Yes. Yes, it is. And cut. Perfect, Jeff. Great. So when are we going to start this show? Um, just me. This is my new show. I thought we talked about this. Uh, then why am I doing your promo? Because in reality, I'm an egotistical puppet master that uses people for his own profit and fame. Huh. Eh, fair enough. Da-da-da-da, monthly Monday movie muck about, watch a movie with me. We now return to the Transformers. 
Welcome back. The issue we'll be covering today is Transformers issue 38. And here's John with the cover description. I really wish I could have recorded uh, Maggie when she saw this cover earlier, because that would have been the best description just in real time of that. What is who is that now? What's going on? <laughs> who are these things? All right. Well, we say goodbye to Grimlock in the cover box as he is replaced by the familiar for those people who have uh, read the Headmasters 4 issue miniseries. And we see Fortress Maximus in his, uh, I'd say, iconic uh, ripping off of his head, as you know, one does. The more than meets the eye is in black. The Transformers logo and the Autobot symbol is in yellow with black trim. The action is below. Uh, I'm going to just assume that Nel Yamtov is implying that there's a giant black light shining down upon everything, and that would explain what we got going on here. We see ostensibly a narrow strip of land over a pit of what appears to be boiling lava, if boiling lava was green. Uh, on there is what appears to be uh, Fortress Maximus and Scorponok blasting each other with Lord Zarak, Scorponok's a binary bonded companion, standing on top of Scorponox and shooting a, shooting a gun at Fort Max as well as Scorponox's tail. Fort Max is recoiling from this and at his feet is a blonde human recoiling in roughly the same pose. Is it Buster? Well, we'll have to read the issue to find out. Uh, this cover is this cover is a little weird for me. The color I do harp on color stuff, but this in this one it really makes it bizarre. It it took me a little bit to realize where they were because the lava pit and the surrounding mountain that it's contained in are both in various shades of green for some reason, and Scorponok's color scheme is way off. He's in a kind of a pinkish and blue combination with some orange guns. That is, but that thrown aside, even with uh, Fortress Maximus's angle that he's at, is kind of a strange choice. It's not terrible, but we don't really get to see his face because he's turned away from a, the, from us for the camera, as it were. And it it just seems strange that the little blonde guy, who also is uh, colored in different colored clothing than he wears in the issue, is kind of kind of doing his best to mimic the pose. Uh, what did you folks think? We'll go to Pat. Pat, what do you think? I kind of like the action in this cover. Um, there's something going on that he's scared, so there's some menace happening here that I like. Uh, the line work, uh, especially on Fortress Maximus, is really cool. I like that. That is done very nicely. And then the coloring, yeah, John says it's okay. You know, it took me a while to understand, you know, the green-ish just kind of line work that's done. Instead of, like, black, all the black is done in the green. So, yeah, it's all right. So, you know, I, I, it's not bad of a cover for me. Okay, let's go to Maggie. Yeah. <laughs> I was initially very confused when I saw it. Um, the bridge that they're standing on appears to be the color of the lava that is not colored in but is instead green although green is my favorite color um and i had no idea that that was fortress maximus because fort max is not blue and black so i i, I mean and I, i'm with pat i like the i like the action mm -hmm. going on i think the scale with having the little dudes is kind of cool um although i guess i'm not entirely certain who that's Lord Zarak. Yeah, but isn't he? 
Oh, because he would have been driving the giant lobster claw tank. Right. Okay. And the little blonde dude, just to kind of give you the idea of scale. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty underwhelmed by it. If I had to guess, I mean, Jose was new to the book, even though he drew the interiors. If I had to guess, this was an alternate cover for the Headmaster series. And the reason why I'm guessing that is because Frank Springer drew it. And I don't see why Jose Delbo wouldn't have drawn the cover for a book that he penciled. Because Frank Springer, I don't think he's going to come back onto the book to do any pencils anymore. I could be, I, I don't think I'm wrong on that. I think we're going to see Delbo for yeah. a little bit more, a year, year and a half or so more on the book. So I, I'm, I was surprised to see that Frank Springer drew it. I don't think that for, Fortress Maximus is necessarily like drawn the greatest, especially mm -hmm. given that Springer draws pretty accurate Transformer uh, portrayals. And he's drawn some pretty dang good covers, too. I do like the Scorponok portrayal. Scorponok looks big and menacing, even though I don't know if any of you uh, folks have seen the movie Harlem Nights or not, but there's this scene in Harlem Nights where Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy's the good guy, and um, the bad guys were shooting at him, and one of the main bad guys was Arsenio Hall. And there's like three bad guys, and like two of them had these submachine guns, and they're just like, and then one guy, had like you know a, a little pop was like pop pop, pop. <laughs> that that's what Lord Zarek was it was here. It's like, dude, yeah. you're not gonna hurt Fortress Maximus just, at all. You should be aiming at the human. You should not be aiming at the gigantic monsters robot, and you only have a pop gun. It's, it's like in in a lot of GI Joe comics, where especially after they brought back uh, Hawk in his new toy, but they mm -hmm. cost every time he's in a fight, even though everybody else has whatever you know machine gun that they're using, uh, he's always using his sidearm, <laughs> you know, in the middle of the thing, which a couple of times is fairly comical. It reminded me of that. Yeah, it's like uh, just not very effective at all, but. Overall, I think it's an all right cover and it does introduce, well, like as Maggie is fond of it, it this is a somewhat accurate portrayal of mm -hmm. something that goes on in the book. But mm -hmm. I think it's rating time. We've, we've had our thoughts about it and it doesn't seem like everyone's crazy about it, but we're about to find out numerically how crazy or not crazy people are about it because we rate things here on Transformers Chronicles on a scale of one to ten. One being the lowest, 10 being the highest, like the tech specs of the original toys. And let's start with Maggie. Maggie, what would you rate the book? What, or not the book, excuse me. What would you rate the cover? One to 10. I'd give it a six. Okay. Six isn't that bad. It just seems like you weren't particularly overwhelmed by, by it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Got it. What about you, John? What would you rate it? Yeah, five for me. Just square in the middle. It's, it's, okay. it's average, ultimately forgettable. All right. What about you, uh, Pat? I'm going to go with a seven. I liked it well enough that, you know, it does portray kind of what's happening in the story. And now once I read it and go back and look at the cover, I'm like, oh, okay. I see what's going on here. Okay. And I'm with you. I'm at a seven too. I, I'm fine with the color of the lava. Like I'm, I'm guessing that was a color choice to accentuate yeah. the, uh, the robots and how they look. So I'm absolutely okay with that creative choice. I mean, we all know lava isn't green for Pete's sake. But um, but I but I do get it, and and it introduced two characters, both of which are going to play a major role in Transformers lore uh, in the months to come. Uh, we will have Pat read the credits for the issue. 
We are looking at Transformers number 38. Its on-sale date was November 24th, 1987, but its cover date was March 1988. Cover price is $1. Story is by Bob Budiansky. Pencils go to Jose Delbo. Inks, David Hunt. Colors, Neil Yamtav. Letters go to Bill Sun. Bill, the Shades Oakley. Editor is Don Daly. And cover credits go to Frank Springer. This is all brought to you by Mike's Amazing World and TFWiki.net. Back to you, Delvin. Thank you, Pat. And let's get to the synopsis. It is a world transformed where things are not what they seem. It is the world of the Transformers. Transformers, more than meets the eye. Autobots wage their battle to destroy the evil forces of the Decepticon. Transformers, robots in disguise. Transformers, more than meets the eye. The Transformers from Marvel Comics. The title of this issue was Trial by Fire. The long building story arc continues. Last issue, we had Throttlebots having their brains put in the toy cars, Buster Witwicky being caught by Ratbat and poor Goldbug in his tiny toy car mode was crushed and discarded in the remains of the arc. Interspite Witwicky, home from college, only to find his dad's mechanic shop flattened at the hands of the Decepticons. Spike hikes into Mount St. Hillary and runs into the just-arrived Autobot Nebulos contingency, led by the Nebulon Galen, who controls Fortress Maximus, if you don't remember, and who isn't really that keen on doing anything but hunting down Decepticons and getting back to Nebulos to help with the rebuilding there. Galen's crew leaves Spike on his own, but shortly thereafter, Spike runs into the Decepticon Nebulos contingency, led by Lord Zarek who controls Scorponok, if you don't remember. Able to discern the Decepticons are baddies and not in an Angela Bassett sort of way, Spike recalls the Autobots back to Mount St. Hillary and yes, the fight is on. The Decepticons are having trouble with the newly augmented Fortress Maximus and crew, so Scorponok, Zarek, find a cheat code, harass the vulnerable human being. That would be Spike. The book ends with Galen having to sacrifice himself to save Spike, and when it seems all was lost in the big robot battle, Spike, with the helmet that controls Fortress Maximus, turns the tide and saves the day, and is now the leader of the Headmasters? All right, let's talk about the book. On Transformers Chronicles, we take turns bringing up something from the book, starting with, but not limited to, goods and bads, and then everyone discusses. We'll start with John for a change. Oh, let's see. Let's talk about uh, Galen and about how he carries the jerk ball around for the <laughs> entire time. He, um, I, I think what they were going for, and I think it works pretty well. Um, he was, I think Budiansky was trying to set up a couple of different parallels with other leaders. First, he was setting up the parallel of Fortress Maximus um, uh, sharing Optimus Prime's guilt uh, for leading the Decepticons onto Earth, even though for Galen Fort Max is way is directly responsible for this, whereas it was kind of accidental with Optimus Prime, but the parallel's still there. And the other one is there's a couple of instances where he he seems to indicate that um, we don't care about the humans, we only care about you know our mission and stuff, and that's very much like Grimlock has been 
lately. So they're kind of doing this. And then with how he then transitions into Spike, it might be kind of indicative of something that's coming up later or at least trying to, you know, set up the possibility of that. So I thought that was pretty cool. I like that, John. Let's go to Pat. I like the quick kind of overview of the headmasters just as a as a reminder of what happened they didn't really go too much into it they did maybe i think it was like half a page panels of of kind of what happened Mm -hmm. real quick to get you understanding it all and then boom they're right into it and john's right this galen he he wasn't as i don't want to say nicer just you know that that hero guy that you thought of as we read it through the headmasters now, like John said, he was kind of, you know, jerky and jerky to his old, to his two guys or, you know, to the crew that was with him as well too. It's like, dude, you're being a jerk. These guys are following you. <laughs> and they're like, what? We, we followed you. Cause we thought you wanted peace. No, I'm here to kill everybody. <laughs> I'm, <here> to kill. <laughs> I'm like, Whoa, what? There's a panel where I think the dude's name is Gort. I don't know. I wasn't super invested in their names because they're all very weird. You don't need Uh, to be. Yeah. yeah, No. Um, Was looking out the window and he's like, Oh earth. It's just as beautiful as nebulos. And then, Prince Valiant wannabe man here (laughs) is like, we're here to answer the Autobot call, not to admire its beauty. I'm like, the two things are not mutually exclusive, sir. I mean, how many planets have you seen? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, good point. You know, I agree with that. If you read the Headmaster series, Galen came across that. I mean, they, they, they hinted to it. Bob did not forget the book that he wrote. It said that, you know, Galen's a peace-loving person, and he is, in this case, thrust into a role that he isn't necessarily familiar with. He kind of saying to his folks, yeah, like, I I, I am the peace, peace-loving guy here, but this is kind of the hand that I was dealt, so I'm going to play it. I wouldn't necessarily say he had to play it as off-putting as he did, because I agree, he, he did come across as a complete jerk until the end. Uh, where he finally got his head out of his uh, behind, uh, particular when he went out of his way to when they confronted Spike or when Spike confronted them and was like, uh, you guys are the good guys and good guys go after bad guys. That's that's what they do. And you know, otherwise, I just think you're unfeeling robots. And he goes to the trouble of going from like 80 foot Fortress Maximus or whatever is like to down to whatever height Galen is. It's like, no, I'm pretty much like a human being, just like you. However, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> like, dang, man. Like you, you didn't even have to give up that ghost of saying that there was a human being or a human being equivalent underneath it all just to give Spike the middle finger and, yes. just, and just walk out of the remains of the ark. And I to gotta me. say, if he's like supposed to be all peace loving, why is he the one that's piloting like the walking battle station then? Well, Fortress Maximus is a lover of peace. He is a contradiction. That is his whole thing. And if you remember oh, the guy know, with the guns in his knees. Yes. If you okay. remember that if you remember from the Headmaster series though, Maggie, like one of like the whole series started where Fort Max was like, you know what? I'm sick of this fighting. I'm mm-hmm. done with it. Mm-hmm. Like, this is stupid. This is pointless. I am out of here. I'm done with it. And I'm taking my friends with me. And that's mm-hmm. what he did. So, I mean, that is Fort Max's arc. And he kind of paired with someone who was similar, but 
there, there's this phrase, and I'm going to mangle it, but basically it comes across as you should like be able to train and prepare for war. And like, because that way, like you, that's the difference between being peaceful and being harmless. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would say that Fortress Maximus slash Galen, they absolutely can choose to be peaceful and they choose to be peaceful because they have access to all that power. Like the walk yeah. softly, but carry a big stick. Sort of. Speak. Yes. Speak. Is it speak softly? Speak softly. You can also yeah. walk softly. Yeah. Like through the forest. <laughs> You could do I, either. Have, have oh, just, Pat, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I do, un, I mean, from a story standpoint, I can definitely see what Budiansky was kind of do here uh, when we find out what happens in the end. You know, Galen does become the the hero again and, and saves Spike. And now, you know, Spike takes over, you know, Fortress Mattress You know, he's the new head guy, right? I guess. So... We'll see literally. how that all turns out. Yeah, he's, he's literally the new head guy. That's yeah. yeah. And, and the other guys are like, "Oh yeah, we like you. That's cool." It's like, well, do we? You didn't even. <laughs> so I have out. a question. Then, what does everyone think about Spike Witwicky? And I think that's what he. So far, we all we know of Spike Witwicky is from Transformers issue thirty-eight. This very issue, and so far, his character beat that he has been introduced as. What do you think about him? Pat, since you're the last one to talk, please answer. Well, he's obviously says that he didn't get his dad's mechanical smartness, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know what mm-hmm. he's going. I can't remember. Did they mention what he was going to college for? Girls. You know, run away from his dad. So his dad doesn't even remember that he had a kid. You know, let, let's talk about that, too. It's like, who is Spike? And. How I don't know. How do you not know you got a son? It's possible. I mean, we can know prize that easily. If he's if he's saying to Buster at the time, no, like you're the only son I got. It could mean he, you're the only son that I have here now. Yeah, right. Because right. my mm-hmm. other son has gone across yeah. to the big city to you know college yeah. you to. Yeah do whatever he's <laughs> going to do at college, which clearly is not mechanical engineering. You think he would have flown home when Sparkplug had that heart attack, though? Yeah, yeah pretty yeah. callous, Spike. He's probably he, busy he, at a party, didn't know what was going on. True. Yeah. Anyway, you know, I think, is he a cool guy? I don't know. It's still, the, the it's out, but, you know, got to give him some, some props for, you know, right away going, I got to go find my brother and kind of going back to these guys used to play around in these areas that long ago. And they, they were already in this. He made it sound like they were already in the place where the robots were, you know, the transformers came already and they didn't notice any of that stuff there before. I mean, the, the, they've been there for 4,000 mm-hmm. years, right? Million. 4 million. That I understand though. Cause well, there was a volcanic explosion, uh, the, the mountain erupted before, which pro, which presumably caused the arc to get like uprooted. It was probably buried further down. They did just said that you played around Mount St. Hillary, you know. No, uh, in you, that case, no, yeah, he said he called out in that cave. cave okay, then, on that volcano, then, uh, yeah, you know where it is. Prize than I got, yeah. so. you know where it is. He said, I'm like, yeah, okay, that cave on the volcano. Well, maybe the cave was there and the arc was just, I don't know. Or possibly Buster, who has been there before, knew exactly where it was and told his dad. Then his dad told Spike. Uh, he refers to it as you played in that cave when you were kids yeah. in the comic. 
I don't know. You know, it's it's, it's all. But you know, I, I I guess I'm still out on Spike to see where he goes from here. You know. Okay, John, what did you think of Spike when you first saw him? Well, you know, and I I get at this a bit in the spotlight, but even then, I kind of figured it out why they had to have him. It's Fortress Maximus on the toy says he binary bonds with Spike. And Hasbro at this point is really trying to uh, synergize the different brands as much as they can, the brand across all of the different uh, sort of formats as they can. That's why you suddenly see them saying roll out a lot more where they never did in the beginning. They didn't say roll out. They say, they say Autobots transform now rather in the beginning they said other things you know they had this and so what i'm guessing and if we if we could ever i might ask bob about this i'm guessing that he probably wanted to have buster be fortress you know fortress maximus's binary bond Mm -hmm. because even up to and including the issue before it ends with buster being in going to the place where this takes place so it could have been very easily with just a few tweaks buster could have been in this situation and you wouldn't have needed spike, but Hasbro did definitely step in and said they needed spike. So he gets, um, he's in this and frankly, he, he comes across, it's, it's rather shoehorned. I mean, he doesn't have much, um, you don't have much to go on. His personality is basically busters. You know, he, the only thing that you mentioned about him is that you don't have the mechanical aptitude that I do. Well, that was, that was busters thing. You know, and it's like you're you're interested in your books. Well, that was Buster's thing. It's too bad. He goes, you and your girlfriend Jesse, <laughs> Jesse Jolene. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so he doesn't really have enough time. But apparently, he impressed the other auto, the other headmasters pretty well because they go, "Hey, this guy's great. Let's make him the leader." And Spike was just as surprised about that as the rest of us. Yeah, I mean, it, maybe it doesn't take much for Autobots to be impressed with leadership. I it don't doesn't know. seem <laughs> to be the, the case the last two weeks. Or Nebulans. Yeah. Or Nebulans, yes. Yeah. Good, good catch, Pat. Before I forget, Maggie, I right. do want to know what you think about Spike Witwicky. He's less obnoxious than O, so that's True. something. True. Um, Always the man. I actually, I have really no problems with Spike. He's pretty generic, bland, white guy hero dude, you know. Um, but I kind of like Pat said, I, I would definitely give him props. The first thing that he shows up and does is worry about his dad. Yeah. And then the next thing he does is worry about his brother. And then the next thing he does is, well, those Autobots that are supposed to be good guys were kind of jerks, but they're still the good guys. So I guess I'm going to help them and put myself in harm's way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I got no problems with Spike right. at all. I think they put him through some pretty good character beats. I, I, I Listening to everything that all of you said, it, I mean, I asked for your opinion. And in this case, opinions cannot be right or wrong. It, it is your opinion it is what you felt about the subject. And I think in a way you all were right. Just seeing John's expertise on it. And what he was saying is that Hasbro stepped in and said, there must be a character named Spike. You must clear this up. I I absolutely agree with everything that has happened so far in Transformers that Buster Witwicky would have been a smarter choice to be 
the new head of Fortress Maximus and the new leader of this new contingent of the Autobots who have arrived on Earth because Buster just last issue, right, was grousing that he kind of didn't get to be a part of the action anymore and he kind of missed it. So, yeah, that would be an excellent question one day, John, to ask Bob. It's like, hey, did you want Buster to be the person and you were just overruled by Hasbro? Because, anyway, look, we'll leave that point there. But also, I think that at least the hero beats, that Spike at least started the good hero beats. He did show concern for his dad. And, like, I'm not going to do, like, I'm not worried about the police. Get out of my way. I have to find out if my dad is okay. Oh, dad's like, yep, I'm okay. But, you know, our, you know, your, your brother, my son's in danger. I'm immediately, he immediately goes. And then these towering robots, he kind of sits there and, and susses out there. They're at least reasonable, rational beings and took the courageous step to step out and say, hey, you guys should be doing the right thing here. And you're not like I and right now, I think that you're just cold, unfeeling robots and you, you're not capable of reason. And, but then upon immediately seeing the Decepticons, he's like, oh, no, no, they're bad. I can tell they even look bad. And so I, he was able to ascertain the difference between good robots and bad robots. That's something that's been integral to the Transformers uh, whole storyline of the last 38 issues, because some human beings don't care. They only get robots a dead robot, according to some of them. But Spike was able to discern from that. And then there's all of the action where... Yep, uh, when he had the opportunity to, he stepped forward and was heroic in action as well, even taking place in this robot battle in the biggest robot possible and wound up saving the day. So I thought that he had a lot of hero beats. So it would seem that they are trying to get across the point that he is a hero. Yes? No? I would agree. Yeah, I agree with you. Okay. All right. Let's let's go around again. Let's see if uh, there's something else that's worth talking about in the book. Well, you mentioned it before. Action scenes, uh, the action that was in this issue. I liked it. All the different actions that were going on. Um, I think it was all done and drawn very good. And it had me just kind of turning the page and looking at it and just, you know, his, his artwork is just great in this. And I just really enjoyed the action beats in here i can agree with that uh tons of action absolutely in the book um uh john maggie i want to riff on that go for it john yeah the fight was the fight's great there's a lot of characters in this and they um managed to give all of them at least one thing to do either in the fight or beforehand i just i wanted to mention before uh just uh chrome dome earlier gets to do a thing where he he jacks into into Bumble or into Goldbugs mm-hmm. and Brain. Yeah. That's something that the toy mentioned, his tech specs mentioned he's able to do, and he does it all the time in IDW's phase okay. two. So that was really cool to see. It was it was really neat to see the the different alt modes. I love the Decepticon headmasters. They look so cool. They look so <laughs> different than than anything we've seen before. They're like some of the first that look that transform into something that's just completely alien. You know, different weird smashed together um, alligator wolf things, and uh, and it's re- it's neat to see them transform. It was cool to see how how they jump, how the the little nebulans jump in, yeah, mm-hmm. jump yeah. in and pilot the things. It was it was really good. It 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 really had a lot of uh, motion and action, and I enjoyed it. What about you, Maggie? 
I, oh boy, I feel bad about this now. I found it to be very confusing. There's a lot of little panels with a lot going on inside those little panels. And you've got a lot of characters who aren't exactly new because of the, the Headmaster series, but they're, they haven't, I'm not as familiar with them, you know? And so it was really hard for me to keep track of who was who. And I, I just found myself getting lost a lot in the art. Um, and I ended up like skimming and reading the the word bubbles a lot of the time. I tried to make sense of things as I could, but like especially when the Decepticon headmasters transformed, I like one of them looks like a dinosaur, and I got that through me for a second. I was like, wait, who are these guys? And the one of them looks like Ratbat, and, and John was like, no, 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 those are the same guys. They're just transforming. I'm like, oh. Okay, I forgot they could do that. <laughs> but <laughs> okay. also it wasn't very clear that that's what was going on. So I, I I mean there was a lot of action. I just found it to be a little confusing. I don't think I don't think there's any need to feel bad about it, Maggie. And if anything, well two two parts actually. One, I'm glad that I quote unquote assigned the homework for us to do with the headmaster series because you at least had a familiarity with it. It's highly possible back in 1987 88 time frame that someone reading this for the first time transformers 38 were like who in the heck are yeah. all of these different characters and, sure. they, and they weren't able to like hey i saw this headmasters does the headmaster series have anything to do with it? i think don daly the editor put it in when uh galen did the recap in about page two or three or so so i mean they they did everything they could to to seamlessly put it in, but uh, maybe there are a couple of pops at the seams here and there. And I, to me, that's kind of what you're speaking to, Maggie. Am mm -hmm. I close? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that's fair. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, don't feel bad about it. I, I, I can see why it's confusing. And from my part of it, having read this before, I couldn't, rem I remembered what happened at the end. I didn't remember some of the action that happened in the in-between and I was seeing like all of the names where they were sort of trying to flesh out some of the Nebulon characters and their names. And I'm like, in my head, you're never going to see these people again. So like, if you had questions about them, like, are you going to see the robots again? Yes. Are you going to see those humans again? The, the Nebulons? No. Absolutely. That's what I liked about it when, when he called him out, he's like, or Galen's like, don't call me by the name. You call me by oh, my so robot name. Yeah. Can, yeah. I, can I interrupt just to tag on that, what sure. Pat said? Because I still don't know how binary bonding works. None of this makes any no, sense. How, <laughs> I mean, it, in, the, in the Headmasters series, the idea was they took their heads off and they put them on a shelf. And then the humans put on the... the Little costume things, or they no, they had their bodies like freaking body horror altered to to be able to transform into heads, and then they would go on and they would get radioed signals, and they suddenly would act as that. Well, that's clearly not happening anymore. They just transform into their heads, and they're that robot now. Mm -hmm. You know, Spike and Force Max Maximus are the same person. There, there is no being named Fortress Maximus anymore. It's just Spike. Zarak is is Scorponok. He takes it on and he says, "When I get when I am on this, you call me Scorponok." Luckily, they tend to after this, they sort of forget that there are people that are the robots. 
Like you said, you're never going to see them again, except for Zarek and Spike. Those two are, are there. And they are clearly, they did something with Zarek in, in issue four where he was getting kind of controlled by. And I yeah, guess that yeah. could kind of indicate that. But as to the rest of it, I think it got too confusing even for the people writing. It's like, I don't know. Let's just move on. Yeah, no. And like, okay, so here's the thing. Is Cerebros, is that its name? The guy, yeah. the head? Okay. Yeah, that's how he's a headmaster it's because like of Cerebros. It's Russian nesting dolls, this thing. So you've got <laughs> Spike who turns into Cerebros who is the like the CPU of Fort Max's head or is Fort Max's head? Is well, is Fort Max on the toy, the two the two things transform and f- combine in, into, into Fort Max's, Max's head, head. Which does not then explain why at the end of the book you see Spike with the helmet, which apparently is actually all you need. Which means to why did they have to the, go through the body thing mm, if you only need the helmet? And he, the the helmet, he's got the helmet on, which apparently is the only thing you need. But he's standing on Fort Max's shoulder next to his head. But I thought Cerebros was his head. So how does he have a head if Galen's dead and squished? Well, he controlled Cerebros with the the helmet. But what makes the head? I'm just, I don't like it. I just, I don't understand the headmaster thing at all. I cannot wrap my head around it. I... I, to be honest, Maggie, I wouldn't worry that much about it. it it's and and I'm not and I'm not saying that in a mansplaining sort of way. I'm saying that in a it's best if you don't think about it yeah. and try to overly <laughs> science this because it would just make you mad. Because it would make me mad. It's, it's just mad. one of those like oh, it's my 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 personal simple explanation when it comes to Fort Max is. Fort Max is such a big robot that he needs a whole robot to transform into his head because they, at the start of it, made him like what yeah, they say made him bigger. I like yeah, that. they made him bigger to make him more devastating against the Decepticon effort. So that part I understood, and it was mm-hmm. because he was because it used to be that Galen just transformed into the head of Fortress Maximus, but now they need an entire robot to transform into the head of uh, Fortress Maximus. So that's what he was doing. Now, as far as the spike thing, that is an awesome question. And I wish I had an answer for you. I bet John doesn't have an answer for you. I don't flipping know. No idea. And that's why I'm like, it's probably best if you just know that it is possible for Fortress Maximus's head to transform into a smaller robot and just leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> it's all going to be academic next issue. Excellent. I wash my hands of it then. Pat, did you have anything to say? No, that's it. Okay. We have talked about a decent amount of book. I at least want to say, hey, I'm 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 glad that poor Goldbug got a little bit of redemption and he he got to tell even though he didn't say words out loud that us humans can hear that he contributed to a a part of the story, because man, he was left in absolute poor shape and Poor Spike saw him and was like, huh, this is a toy car. I wonder if this buster's nah. <laughs> it just tossed it. <laughs> and, I I, and I remember reading that as a kid and thinking, oh no, go bug. <laughs> and so it was cool that like uh one of the headmasters was like, Do you hear that? It's 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 this home like, Yeah, this yeah, this, there's this tiny radio signal. What is that? And Picked up the little toy car and they were able to ascertain that it was Goldbug. So at least Goldbug saved. I mean, I don't know if we're ever going to see him again or, or not. I'm, you probably will. But 
But it's good that to see that he was at least thought of in this book and saved because it looked like at the end of issue 37 that like all was completely lost for Goldbug. Uh, let's see. We talked Goldbug. We... Is there anything else? Like, we talked action in general. Did, did anyone want to mention anything about uh, the second half of the book or the first half of the book? Is there anything that we missed that anyone wants to discuss? I'm pretty good. What about you, Pat? Nope, I'm fine. Pat always has extra notes. I am, I'm just thrown now. I am thrown. No, we we kind of all covered it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Everybody else's stuff. Maggie agrees. Pat agrees. John agrees. Okay. Well, that makes sense. What about Pat? Does he agree? <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out, uh, you know, who's who here. You know what? We'll we'll, ca- we'll keep we'll catch you up, Pat, with two T's. <laughs> like, how did the, why do these things turn into other things? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> that new Pat took guys. He's he's annoying. I don't know if we're gonna have him back or not. In that case, then let us transition to. The time for us to talk about who had to touch. Where we talk about the character in the book that stood out the most, Autobot, Decepticon, or human. John, who had to touch to you? I'm going to give it to Spike Witwicky slash Fortress Maximus, I guess. But Spike mostly. He, we, you covered it earlier about, about how resourceful and great he was and how they really uh, how he really comes across and he's interesting enough to um, showing all these hero qualities he thought on his feet. He, as you said, uh, did something that most humans in this book are, are unable to do, which was immediately realize that there were two f- competing factions, that one of them were good guys and the other were bad guys. Even after encountering the ones, the good, the supposed good guys who were not acting like good guys and was um, during the fight with Scorponok managed to survive that. That was pretty good. And then wound up, uh, piloting Fortress Maximus um, to save the day and is apparently going to now be the leader of the Headmasters. Quite a day for our boy Spike, so we'll give you the touch on top of that. One heck of a story arc so far. Maggie, who had the touch to you? I second that. I was going to pick Spike as well because he he showed up and really kind of took charge. And I, I guess, well, he just, of the, of the story, I guess, uh, for the reasons I had mentioned before, he was concerned about his dad and then his brother, and he he was going like he's he's a guy who's going to do things, you know, like a <laughs> I don't know if he's a go getter, <laughs> but he's a man of action. The Spike Wiki is, um, yeah, and he put himself in harm's way, and he ended up. I mean, it was like a ridiculously big day for Spike to come home from college, and all of this happens <laughs> to him. Uh, but yeah, no, for sure, I, I was going to give it to Spike. I thought he really kind of shone in this story. Nice, nice, Pat. What about you? Well, uh, since everybody went with Spike, that uh, was my choice as well. Too, I'll give a a nod to Galen for his, you know, transformation at the end and just, you know, actually coming through being the guy that he was and saving Spike. Yeah. I'm glad that he kind of decided that yes, even we must not be forgetful of the mission to uh, protect those who are lesser than us. That's even at the sacrifice of his own life. Obviously it was bad that uh, he had to die, but it was good that he did, decide to be selfless. I'm going to kind of go a little bit off the beaten path and choose Scorponok slash Lord Zarek for who had to touch. And I'm doing it for a reason. I mean, I, I absolutely agree with Spike. Uh, and Galen is a great choice too. I'm picking 
Scorponok, uh Zarak because Scorponok, that he was effective. He he saw a yeah. fight that yeah. was he saw a fight that was going on and was like, we ain't gonna win this fight unless <laughs> we cheat. And he's like, what's the best way to distract the Ottawa? Aha, the human. <laughs> and so he went and harassed the human to the point that he got Galen to sacrifice himself. And it almost won the fight until Spike did the thing that he was supposed to do and take over Fort Max and, and turn the tide of the battle. But I give Scorpionar credit and Lord Zarek credit for being very crafty uh, in that moment. Yeah, he was almost my choice as well. He had a pretty good day. And it's it's worth mentioning. I said this at the start. I mean, it's not it's not even a spoiler because it's just true. Both Fortress Maximus and Scorponok are going to be major players in the Transformers universe moving forward. <laughs> you see you see John's reaction. Like I bet you you're going to see him so like the question that Pat asks a lot of times of humans are, are we going to see them again? Like, you are definitely going to see those two robots again. I can yeah. tell you that much. You will definitely see them some more. And if we talked about the touch, then someone had to be out of touch. We talked about the character that was the worst in the book and should have bunches of boulders collapse upon them and then <laughs> rather dramatically get exploded in a volcano in a segment called Less Than Meets the Eye. Pat, who to you was Less Than Meets the Eye? Well, I don't know if my lesson meets the eye deserves to be exploded, <laughs> but I'm going with Spike with Wiki. Come on, man. You didn't know you got second son. What's going on there? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe you just didn't like Spike as much. I mean, look at the hair. It's, it's like, blah. He's, he's, you know, but like, look at, look at it. Nobody likes somebody who's that blonde. That's not, nobody else's hair is like that. It's just weird. It's like cotton candy. John. Who was less than MCI to you? Uh, I think you hinted at it with your intro. Um, even though he does get, you know, did do the noble sacrifice, I got to give it to Galen. I mean, the man spent the entire time running around with the jerk ball, yelling at everybody, getting confusing everybody about what he was, was doing, and then um, almost abandons the Autobot mission to the with a single-minded focus and then gets killed. So in terms of who had a worse day, I got to give it to him. Followed slightly by Sparkplug. I mean, the guys, even though Sparkplug uh, gets out of it by having the superpower of being off-panel when something falls on him, so therefore surviving without a scratch on no, no, no. him. He had no, scratches. He was down. He had scratches. Yeah, yeah, but not he was down there for a day, he said. For a <laughs> day, he doesn't even go to the hospital for it. He goes, I've yeah. been to that hospital. I'm not going back there. Yeah, I just want to add to the Galen thing, too, because this is the guy who said, well, I didn't think that when the same thing happened to Earth that happened on Nebulos, that the same thing would happen on Earth that happened on Nebulos. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's surprised that this <laughs> that's how they got to you in the first place. I mean, it's kind of sad. It's, it's real tragic. Like, it's just the, the spread of the Autobot Decepticon war, like going to these other planets that mm. otherwise had nothing to do with it. But. It was just a dumb thing to say. Yeah, they touch on that in IDW, which I don't yeah. think is definitely coming back to this. It's like everywhere the Transformers go in space, they bring their war to yeah, them. Destruction so follows. there's a bit, and sorry, not, don't want to go too far off off uh, ramp here, but they there's a bit where they they uncover a, encounter a galactic federation of people at one point, and they are hated. The Transformers are absolutely hated like, by universally. everyone, universally hated, mm -hmm. because <laughs> everywhere they go, the, they, war, the war follows them. For and millions of years. For millions of years. So, so yeah, just wanted to add that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, at some point, you would think it's like, 
okay, guys, we, we, we've been fighting for 2,500,638 years. Let's talk about it. <laughs> it's almost 51,000 Vorns, guys. Yeah. Right. Therapy. You know, and, and many more brains, John. Many more so brains. Many brains. <laughs> so many brains. <laughs> you, you would think, yeah, you would think that there would be some sort of peaceful solution. It's like, you know what? How about we just pick five of each per- like, robot on each side that we just don't like? And then we just, we, <laughs> and then we blow them up. Yeah, I mean, we got I, gears we just, over here. We got rumble. <laughs> you two go. And we just call it a day. <laughs> that should be a tribute. Uh, make them a tribute to the. Yeah, there I you go. It might be easy. Anyway, so along those lines, I actually do kind of agree that it, I was, it's either going to be nobody or Galen. And yeah. so if I had to pick, I would say Galen because, yeah. It's a Galen and out of a 22-page book, about 20 and one-half pages for him to get his head squarely from his behind. Because mm-hmm. seriously, that thing that he said was Spike about, like, you have my, let me say, you have my empathy, but not my, this is not my responsibility. I'm like, yeah, bro, that is yeah. just cold-blooded. Like, yeah. God. Dang, man, <laughs> you got this big giant robot dude's like, can you help find my brother? Um, no, <laughs> I'm not gonna find your brother. F your brother, F, F these humans, right? Yeah. Especially so, yeah. as I think it was Brainstorm points out, he said, Well, maybe if we follow the signal, because the, the brother was carried off by a Decepticon, we could maybe find we got a yeah, and he's it, they are our sworn enemies, you know. No. That's a no. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, wasn't the best arc for for Galen, but you know what? We we ain't got to worry about Galen anymore, do we? <laughs> Maggie, who was less than me? Ci the entire concept of headmasters. I don't get it. I don't like it, and I'm glad to see the back of it. <laughs> I guess I'll I, like I, it. Uh, Maggie, um, eh, I, I I got some bad news. I got some good news and bad news for you. No. You know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the good news is that you've seen the end of issue 38. The bad news yeah. is uh, to be continued. Let's okay. just, let's just, oh, no. let, let's All leave right. it at that. Now's the time for our ratings of the book. Recap for the audience. We'll honor the tech specs of old that came with every Transformers. I can give every issue a rating of one to 10, 10 being the best to describe what we think about the issue. Um, since I hadn't gone first, I will go first. There's some hits and misses here. I, I think it's mostly hits because I think Bob had an interesting task. He they can't ask him to come up with the Headmasters series. He did, and it came out and did what it was supposed to do. And then he had to merge that it, that universe into this universe and keep the story coherent. And he has. He's advanced the story well enough, I think. And now we're going to find out exactly how the Headmasters are going to play in this Earth battle. So I'm still very intrigued by the main storyline. I was intrigued that they put Spike into this issue. And as you have already hinted a couple of times, but you should have been able to guess by looking at the cover of the book. Fortress Maximus has taken Grimlock's place as the flagship character of the book, according to the you know Marvel Comics title. It's Fort Max pulling his head off. It's not Grimlock anymore in the dino pose. It's not Optimus Prime doing his heroic pose. It's now Fortress Maximus. So that's something that's sparking my attention. All I have to say, I give it an eight. Um, I think it's a slight step back from last uh, last issue, 
But I think that Bob kind of had a monumental task uh, infusing the headmasters into this. And we're going to see how it bears fruit in the very near future. Uh, let's go to Pat. Pat, what would you write the book? I'm going to agree with you on that as well, too. I'm at an eight. I think there was a lot of story that was kind of done to get the the ball rolling in a new direction and, and kind of down a newer path, so to say. So, we, you know, we got some introduction of newer characters. The two worlds are blended now. Let's see where things go to from here and how the other Decepticons, you know, the, we haven't seen how the other Decepticons are going to react with, you know, these guys now, right? True. So that should be interesting. Mm-hmm. Very good point, Pat. Let's go to Maggie. Maggie, what would you rate Transformers 38? I'm going to rate it the same as the cover. I'm going to give it a six. It's all right. There are parts of it I liked, but not a lot of it. And I found it mostly confusing and annoying. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it a six. Okay. John, what would you rate Transformers 38? Uh, I'm going to give it a six as well. Uh, I didn't find it as confusing as Maggie did, but there were some flaws in it. I mean, there were things I liked that the action stuff at the end um, kind of saved, bumped it up a bit for me. There's a lot of color issues in this one, which um, makes a, the, a lot of the robots very difficult to, to tell apart, which I usually am, uh, you know, let go without a, a mention, but in an issue which was designed to introduce a lot of people to a bunch of new characters, I think it's a much greater sin. So it gets docked for that. It, it And it might be because it came at, this comes in the wake of a couple of very good issues. And there's a, a couple of very spectacular issues about to happen. So kind of this one, unfortunately, just kind of falls in the middle of that. And it just um, suffers because of that, too. So it's six for me. We got eights. We got sixes. And I put some book right about seven, which tells me that I everyone thought the book was, a li- I mean, a little bit better than average. And given the transitions uh, that were made to get to this point. And the big question of whether or not Spike was needed in the first place that we uh, don't have an answer for, which I would love to have an answer for. But I think it lands at a pretty uh, good point for us all. We can and never will leave you without Transformer Spotlight, where John highlights a particular Transformer that was featured in today's issue. All right, today we are doing Fortress Maximus. Here's what you would see on the back of his box if you were one of the luckiest kids in town. <laughs> and, and, and don't tell us. Do not tell us if you have Fortress Maximus. I don't want to hear it. Any, you know, you will spoil kids whose parents gave you that oh, awesome man. toy. Yeah. How was he? I will get to that in the spotlight. Oh, all right. Uh, Fortress Maximus, uh, he is fu- his faction is an Autobot. His subgroup is Headmasters. His function is Headmaster Leader. His motto is prepare for war but strive for peace. Valiant, courageous, a warrior without peer, but peace is his most fervent wish. Fights only out of necessity and believes all violence is ultimately pointless and counterproductive. Transforms to battle station and city modes. Armed with twin laser-guided mortars on legs, heat-seeking dual laser blasters, and fusion-powered photon rifle. I always laugh because he's the most well-armed pacifist in the world. Uh, Has communications, detection, and repair equipment. Controls two armored vehicles, Gasket and Gromit, which combine to form COG. Head transforms to semi-autonomous Cerebros, who is binary bonded to the Nebulan leader Spike. Weird that, but 
Here we go. He's also the... Okay, I'm not even going to... Yeah. <laughs> uh, check out these stats. His strength is 10. His intelligence is 10. His speed is 10. His endurance is 9. Oh, hit the gym a little bit. 10? Oh, oh, crap. No, no. His rank oh. is 10. His courage is 10. His firepower Woo! is 10. And his skill is 9. What? Boo! So you're saying there's some roof for improvement. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do believe he has the the highest aggregate stats of any any transformer of the old school. Oh, uh, good. So now we have the answer to the question about why Spock had to be introduced, as we said. He's mentioned on the toys card, even though he's mentioned as the Nebulan leader, uh and that and the cartoon dealt with that in some way. This The comic dealt with it in another. But Hasbro was increasingly demanding brand unity across the lines whenever possible. Thus, Spike had to be fairly awkwardly shoehorned into the comic. One wonders how having Buster be Magnus's binary bonded partner instead would have unfolded in the series. I think that would have been kind of interesting. But somebody write that fanfic and let me know. As for this toy, Jeeves, this one was a big one. If Jetfire is the Sky Striker of the line, then this guy is the USS Flag. Uh, Fortress Maximus is by far the largest Transformers toy produced in the original G1 line, and for over 25 years was the largest Transformer, period. In robot mode, he stands 22 inches tall, and nearly 8 inches taller than his rival Scorponok. Now, the original retail price of this was nearly $100 USD, which is approximately $270 today. Uh, Even decades later, his size is surpassed only by the 24-inch tall uh, 30-year anniversary Metroplex and and Fortress Max's own retool that um, is bigger than even that, and the Titans Return and the War for Cybertron Unicron. Getting into all these things that this guy came with and could do would take this segment as make this segment as long as the rest of the show. Uh, if you're interested, I direct you either to his entry in Transformers Wiki at tfwiki.net or Anthony's site over at tfu.info. But this issue covers the basis. Uh, the tech specs do mention uh, one aspect that they ignore for this comic is that he has uh, parts of his battle station combined to form uh, these two, uh, or there's transform into armored vehicles, Gasket and Gromit, and they combine to form Cog. And then Cog and Cerebros put together make Fortress Maximus's head. Yeah, so I'm they're, glad they didn't have the that one. In there. I'm, 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 I'm lost myself. I'm with yeah. you, Maggie. By the way, I am. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> but I still it, want this toy. <laughs> well, you got to remember that this is all based on the idea of of the Japanese toys had the little people were, were driving them, which kind of maintains in that toy has two alternate mode configurations. He transforms into a rel- relatively compact city mode and a battle station mode. Fortress Maximus will be around for quite a while in the comics, so I hope you all like him. Uh, he also features very prominently throughout the IDW run as well and has an amazing story arc in Phase 2, which we're covering if we ever get back to that. Uh, the cartoon continuity where he features gets a bit wonky, and there are two versions of it, which I do not understand. Uh, John M. Wilson tried to explain it to me once, but lost me almost immediately. Uh, the one thing I wanted to mention about that is his scale, because uh, in both the Marvel and IDW continuities, he's depicted as really large, but not like to the scale of like an Omega Supreme or a Trypticon. 
on the cartoons, he is the largest Transformer this side of Unicron, um, as befitting his toy. He's larger than the Combiner Gestalts, and he's larger than Trypticon. And that is our big boy, Fortress Maximus. Delvin? Yeah, man. Fort Max was was a haul. Um, yeah. Man, and I would love to have that toy. Then again, like any of those giant ones, like um, like Metroplex 2. I, I love to have a Metroplex. Metroplex is B.A. Anyway, we 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 can we can spend another podcast just talking about toys. Oh my goodness! Uh, but in any event, thank you very much, John. And we will now go to a promo break. The Transformers will return after these messages. You are receiving a transmission from the Rod Pod. Upload pending. Stand by for soundtrack transfer. I am Maggie. And I am John. And we are trapped, hurtling through space in a ship shaped like Rodimus's head. The ship, for reasons we haven't been able to determine, contains the entire run of the IDW Transformers Phase 2 comic. Which chronicle the events following the end of the war between the Autobots and Decepticons. So we figure we may as well read them all in order and report our findings to you. Stand by. Stand by. Upload complete now. The Rod Pod. Look for us at marriedwcomics.libsyn.com at iTunes, at Stitcher, or wherever good podcasts can be found. So, uh, till all are one. Till all are one. Till all are one. We now return to the Transformers. Now is the time for transmissions, which I'm sorry, I just got to take a quick break here. I just realized that the, the letter page back in the day was called transmissions. And I don't think I knew that when I created this. So that's that's what that's why I told that we should call it that. Oh, really? I yeah. forgot. All right. All right. <laughs> well, I didn't tell you. I just figured we'd <laughs> That's like 30 some episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what I did 30 minutes ago, Pat, and I was sitting here the last hour. All right, starting over. Now is the time for transmissions where we heap praise upon the audience for listening to us. We appreciate all the love and attention we get from the show. We're talking about Transformers Chronicles, episode 36, that featured Transformers 36. And I will very quickly just read the two uh, social media shares and retweets we got from Tim Price and from Ed Moore at Till Productions. Thank you very much. Uh, we just changed up format because we are fortunate. We have a decent amount of people who give us likes. Thank you all for that. We sincerely and greatly appreciate it. Just for the sake of brevity, we are going to only mention those now who give us a share or a retweet. Uh, so if you want to get mentioned now uh, in this section of transmissions, please just give us a share or retweet. We will happily read your name. But even if you just give us a like, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Thank you so much for that. And yep, we also have a few comments uh, that were made as well. I will pick one from Herbert Fung since it has my name in it. Herbert says, Delvin has a point. Omega Supreme could have ended this a lot sooner. He could have. 
What happened to him? It's Omega Supreme. He's big. He's strong. He's powerful. But I guess they had to go with another robot that had superlatives in his name in Fortress Maximus because Omega <laughs> Supreme just was not cutting it. Uh, next one comes from Christopher Allett, and he asks, where is the Grimlock Go Cray Cray shirt? And good question. I'm glad you asked, Christopher, because uh, we will get that up on the Longbox Crusade t-shirt site at tpublic.com. So just go out to tpublic, and soon you will find the Grimlock Cray Cray shirt. Nice. Let us know, Pat, when that's there, too, so uh, we can get one. Got I mean, Come on, it's for our show. Got to have it. John. Uh, Gary Duncan said, dislike the space circus story. Think some of the stories around then were a bit lame compared to earlier stories. Well, you know, we have all sorts of opinions about these various stories, even among us ourselves, and we can all feel different ways about things and still be friends. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I tell you what, I, I, I can't wait to read the next few issues because my memory's hazy. I don't remember what happened to the kids and how they got home. I'm pretty sure they did, but I don't remember how. And even seeing that uh, sneak preview I have for 48, I'm like, I know what happens between issues 47 and 50, but I don't remember at all what happens in 48. So I have a lot to look forward to. So hopefully uh, there will be stories uh, that are more to Gary's liking. And we have one more comment from Christopher Willette, I believe. Uh, Maggie, you want to read that? Yeah, it says, yes, I remember holding this cover. Don't remember a thing about the story, but I'm sure the podcast will jog my memory. And I hope we did. Absolutely. Thank you to everybody who has uh, chimed in, provided comments, like, share, retweet. We appreciate it all. If you want to leave us comments as well, we would, uh, or excuse me, if you want to leave us a five-star rating on uh, Apple uh, Podcasts, we love that too. Any feedback we can get, we will take. And that's the show. Please come back and join us for the next episode where we discuss Transformers issue 39, where the headmasters are further integrated into the earthbound adventures as Fortress Maximus faces off against Shockwave. If you'd like to hear more from us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a good one. I remember that cover. I, I've, I've never read it. It, oh. it, it, it didn't show up in my, uh, I remember that because it, for whatever reason, it didn't show up at the drugstore. I bought it. I was really mad about that. So I'm excited to to read it now. That's right. And boo to that drugstore. Boo drugstore. Drugs <laughs> <laughs> are bad. Bad drugstore. Bad. Drugstores are bad. Okay. Right. All right. Fort Max, Shockwave, 39. Be there. And if you like to hear from us, Longbox Crusade is in a lot of places. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, most podcasters, to include Spotify at www.longboxcrusade.com. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You look for Longbox Crusade, you will find us. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. We have to do a live stream. We're dropping content uh, multiple times a week at this point. We have a, a live stream podcast come out to play that I host. Uh, come check us out. Please give us a like and subscribe. Patreon, you can join us for $1 a month. You can email us old school, contact longboxcrusade.com. And even older school, you can leave us a voicemail. And give us comments there, 707-532-5269. That is 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. I can always rely on you, Pat. John, why don't you tell us about your podcast and where you and Maggie, of course, can be found on the internet. 
Uh, we are MWC Podcast. So you can find it anywhere you found this lovely podcast. We talk about comic books, cartoons, uh, basic literature, whatever kind of suits our fancy. Uh, so if you like this sort of conversation, but with Maggie and I and whoever else we have on, uh, check us out on social media. I'm technically on Twitter still at MWC underscore uh, podcast, or you can send us an email at uh, marriedwcomics at gmail.com. I'm not on social media anymore, I and just, I'm all the better for it. Pat, where can you be found? Well, Devlin, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Delvin, where can you be found? I can be found on Twitter at DEE underscore R-A-Y 1977. See y'all next time, and remember, freedom is the right of all sentient beings. Till all are one. Till, Till all are one. You got the touch. You got the power Yeah All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics.